0: It's the TiltCast,
1: episode 569, Force Potato Head. And this week, guys, we talk Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, Hogwarts Legacy, and Warhammer 40K Rope Trader. Stay tuned. He really is kind of plain.
2: And we're back. It
0: is the TiltCast. It's an M-rated show. I'm Nas. I'm Jason, and welcome to the new season. Yep, season 15. It's the uh, first episode of basically almost 15 years of doing this. Yep. And uh, we're out one, Rusty. He had uh, some other things going on, so he can't be with us today. But it is January 6th at 2.20 p.m. A balmy, uh, who knows how cold it is? Thirty-seven degrees, I guess. Yeah, it's not that cold. It's not warm enough to take the dog on a walk. It's uh it is Saturday. And it is uh weird being here after the holidays. Um We pre recorded everything way early, and uh we haven't been in front of the microphones in about three weeks.
1: Yep, very much. Um But hey, I mean that—that's good. With like, I had a bunch of family stuff going on. You had a few photo things and and friend stuff going on. So I mean, hey, and Rusty had a ton of family stuff. So yeah, uh, I—it was all good.
0: (laughs) I traveled about two thousand miles in the month of December. I uh, did like three photo gigs. And uh, four photo gigs, and we both did a lot for Christmas. I know this was the first Christmas where um, <laughs> it felt Christmasy, like I was a kid again, which is weird. Um, I got an I got an InstaPop for my parents, and that really, I mean, that's cool. You can see it's an adult gift, but the other thing I got is Dad was cleaning out old stereo equipment. And I uh, got an old Yamaha receiver, an old Philips 777 turntable, and then my cousin, who's my father's age, went through a, a season of purchasing way too, much th- too many things and had a pair of bookshelf speakers to give me. So, I went from having no stereo to having a stereo inside of a week, which was pretty crazy.
1: And then oh, wow. That's cool.
0: Yeah, and then the real Christmas for me was me spending way too much on vinyl, and then my girlfriend getting me vinyl, and then me going on a vinyl spending spree, and then I've just kind of like calmed myself down after I realized how much I've spent in the last little bit on, you know, the part that you put through the stereo. Back in the old days, I probably could have bought like 60 CDs for the price of the 20 vinyls that I bought.
1: Hey man, unless it's currently in print though, vinyl's not cheap. So currently in print is still expensive, dude. (laughs) Well, I mean, yes, it's twenty dollars, but on the super cheap
0: end, I don't I didn't get a single I got one vinyl for twenty bucks. Everything else costs
2: between thirty and fifty bucks a piece. So Oh, and you also
1: I mean you're really going to buy stuff that quite a bit of stuff that's not necessarily uh considered mainstream
0: oh no i'm i'm not even a little bit but i'm you know I like the special editions and all that stuff
1: which means you know there's less prints out there so the cost is more expensive sir
0: yeah and then the gal and a few other people suggested discogs which killed me and if you don't know what that is it's a website where you can find all the different editions of different releases of music um, and figure out who has it for sale, Uh, whether it be used or new. uh, It lists the condition on there as well, which is kind of crazy, but you can go through and find um, rare or harder to find things or figure out exactly which edition of a print that you're getting and see pictures of what it looks like. Um, and it points you to all these little bitty like record stores all over the world. Like I ordered stuff from Germany, from Italy, from England. Um, and I had this like mass shipment of vinyl that hit my house on top of me hitting every record store in town uh, to find the stuff oh, that I wow. wanted. So I spent off and on during the two weeks, like, cause I was the weirdo that didn't take very much time off work around Christmas. Um, that was going around the record stores as soon as I got off work so I could make the last hour to get whatever I wanted and then go back home. But I didn't even put up lights in the house. Did you do lights
1: in the house or just Christmas tree? Oh, well, yeah, we did it all. You yeah. um, know, Crystal got, got like, in her, the, um, uh, like, the weekend after Thanksgiving, we had to have everything up. So, yeah, it was, it was all up that weekend.
0: And I gave you and Rusty Steam cards and then I unexpectedly got like a controller and a sweatshirt from you. uh, Yeah. Pretty cool. Actually. Um, Some years we, mean, we do some gift exchange and some years we don't. This year I'd spent a lot of money traveling, um, and on some camera stuff and on some dog stuff. So i had like fifteen hundred dollars of unexpected expenses. So I kinda went light and bought for my nephew, for my brother, and for my parents, and then for random white elephant and girlfriend, and that was about it. And then you and Rusty. I didn't even buy yeah. Trent anything this year, which is unusual for me. But um Yeah, it was a it was a fun, fun Christmas. Fun holiday. I mean Trent uh, made a bunch of food around New Year's Eve. I made some Karna Um everybody was sick except for me, him and John basically and our tattoo artist and his wife. Um so like we hung out with them during <laughs> New Year's Eve. I didn't drink hardly anything on New Year's Eve. In fact I game me and Rusty played some uh almost said Vermintide, Tide, but uh Dark Tide. Um played a lot of games. I've got a lot of games under my belt. Shoot, like I've got way more games under my belt than the last episode that we talked. Um what about you? Did you do anything interesting around the holidays?
1: Oh, yeah, you know, other than all the family stuff, I uh of course fit in um uh Tears of the Kingdom I ended up finishing like the main um the main quest line for that. Um I mean, there's all kinds of extra stuff I could spend another probably forty hours in
0: so you running
1: down. But, but you finished the
0: the main part of the game.
1: But I finished the main part of the game. Um you
0: got You got you got games finished this episode. That's a that's a good
1: sign. And then Which I mean, yeah, that you know, a lot of people wrote off tears of the kingdom and said they weren't going to play it cuz they felt like it was it looked just like a a um retread of breath of the wild
2: but really um the further i got into it the more it felt like just um like it was the way breath of the wild should have been gotcha um with a
1: lot of the, me- with some of the mechanics that they added into it, um, and the story was a heck of a lot different, um, so it it was good, it was good, um, and then I started and I have almost finished. I will have finished by by the time we record Game of the Year, um, Jedi Survivor. Oh yeah finally got it working. Yeah, you should talk about Uh, that because you're the one that actually
0: got me to install it and actually beat it recently.
1: Yeah, so I decided um, with your gift, I got Hogwarts Legacy and I got a couple other smaller things that I'm not going to get in that I wasn't going to get into for the end of the year. So, um, you know, I was playing it and I got I feel like I'm about halfway through the main quest
2: line. Um uh, and I enjoying it, but yeah, you know, there were just there's a lot of
1: things with that game that it's re it's really unoptimized in parts or poorly optimized in parts. And, and I was having a ton of frame rate issues like exploring around the around the castle, you know, it gets to certain sections and the game would just decide to hang up for you know, 30 seconds to a minute, and a half sometimes at a time, right, while it tried to reload shaders, etc. Um, which kind of reminded me of trying to get through that, that first Coruscant level on Jedi Survivor when you and I initially installed it and tried playing it. Right. Um, so I was like, you know what? I feel like I'm in the need just for a straight adventure game and Hogwarts is close, but not quite. Um, you know, have a, have a little bit more issue trying to connect with, with the idea of being a teenager starting Hogwarts late than, uh, than I am a 30-year-old a Jedi so I uh decided to go ahead and reinstall Jedi Survivor and and give it another go cuz there's been a bunch of patches um
2: I think they're on version 7.5 right now or something like that anyway um loaded and and in the first uh first
1: ten minutes of the game I had the same frame timing issues uh that it started with, though they weren't as bad like they were. It'd stutter for about um three to five seconds and then it'd be smooth again, which was a lot better than it was back earlier this year um
2: So I was like, okay, so I wonder if there's any, um, uh, additional
1: DLSS mods or maybe, uh, AMG frame gen mod that I could install to improve, you know, try to, uh, wrinkle out that, that last little stutter issue, um. And I started going through Nexus mods and ended up finding one uh that basically tweaks the um game engine files to um to run uh, multi threaded instead of single threaded, so it's using all the g p u cores and all the c p u cores instead of limited g p u cores and a single c p u core like it like it initially was right. Um, because that was one thing I noticed was that no matter what you did in that game, it never used all of your GPU. Like my GPU was sitting at like between 40 and 50% usage the entire time. I'm like, there's gotta be something wrong with that. Uh, so I downloaded this mod, um, I don't even remember what it's called, um, but I, I installed it and I know, and immediately noticed the improvement. Like the rest of the time I was on Coruscant, um,
2: I never had a uh, uh frame bu- buffer issue again, um, and then. Uh, you know made it to to your technical first starting world um and uh had you'll still have some
1: frame buffering issues on that bigger world just because of the amount of assets i think that the game is trying to load um but there was very little of it so then i told you about the mod and that it had the game working for the most part, smooth um, and fixed most of the issues. Uh, So then you installed it and tried it and it does do this funny. um, There's kind of this funny
2: fuzzing fuzzy smoothing effect that you noticed from it. Um,
1: I didn't really notice it at first, but I'm also playing at 1080p on a 27 inch monitor. I'm not, I'm not on a big ass 4k monitor like or TV like you are. Um, but you can definitely
2: see it, like with his beard hair. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it got the
1: game running well enough that. I've been playing through it, and I'm almost done. Um, the mod on Nexus, if anybody's interested, is uh, SWJS dash fixes and improvements, and it just unlocks all of the cores and reduces a lot of the stuttering effects. It works really well.
0: You you gave me the gift of knowing that that was a thing. And, and it allowed
1: you to actually play the game and finish it.
0: Yeah, I still crashed um, probably about another 10 times while I finishing. I ended up putting about 36 hours into the game total. But before i did that, I was about seven hours in. And then through the last two weeks, it was over the course of about five days that I sunk like another almost 30 hours into the game. Like, I was just eating and sleeping that game until I got it finished. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I've got one of the few Steam reviews that I actually have is on that game. And I made an edit to my review and then added the link to that. I did not (laughs) give it a thumbs up yet because it took a third party to make the game playable. um, Because I feel like that still needs to be addressed. But I would still say play it on console, but if you're as unlucky as me and Jason and you bought it on PC and it didn't work, then that mod is for you. Um, I ended up finishing it and liking it immensely. Um, It's a little easier than I'd like. If I play it again, I'm going to play it on a harder difficulty. Um, I did uh, It's a one of the unlocks later is basically, I won't say what it's called, but it's like two-handed saber, like broadsword saber style, like old Darth Vader style. Um, I used that and maxed it out and I maxed out blaster style and single saber and I finished the game. Some of the harder fights were actually a lot easier with a blaster, um, because you could wear down the guard a lot faster with the blaster and then close in and get some quick hits in or switch dances real quick to use my, uh, big sweeping attacks with the, uh, with the, uh, two-handed way. Um... But, yeah, by the end, I didn't have, like, you're not supposed to have everything maxed by the end of the game. Um, I had explored almost every single spot and every single planet that you have access to. Um, The lowest one I had was at, like, 86% completed. Most of it's just the really big open map um, around the bar. And if you've played it, you know what I'm talking about. That map's huge. Um, Like, it's as big as all of Skyrim. Um, so that map is the one that I didn't comp, a hundred percent, hundred percent, but all the, you get side quests called rumors. Um, I finished every rumor that I could get. I talked to everybody at the bar to make sure I got all of that done. Yeah. Did you do all the bounty hunters? Um, no, I didn't do all the bounty hunters. I didn't unlock all of those. The rewards on it
1: are kind of lame. Um, they are, but I've, I've had fun just running all of them down and slaying them. Yeah, I didn't end up –
0: I did about four or five of those, and most of those are incidental. They were just ones that I ran into as I was going through the world. And it wasn't like I was just trying to bang it out. Like, I revisited worlds once I had – it's basically like a Metroidvania in a way, right? Like, you get powers or abilities that help you unlock different parts of the map. And uh, once I did that, I'd go back to the places I would remembered having to – you know, needing a power to progress. Um, but the bosses weren't too bad. Like, after you... That game is really big on parry um, and block. And you can kind of infinite block. I mean, you do have a stamina meter for your block. But you can block a lot. <laughs> like, a lot, a lot. You um, can block a lot. And um, I, but- I I just finished Liza P a month ago. And that has a much tighter parry timing than Jedi does. Jedi has a pretty loose parry timing. So it's pretty easy to parry everything. Well yeah,
1: if you're on Padawan or Jedi Knight, it is pretty loose, but you gotta up your difficulty if you want tighter parry timings.
0: Well, what I'm what I'm getting at is everything that was parryable I was able to parry. Um and then later on you kind of unlock a, a better power up also to speak, and a lot of the challenges I finished pretty easy. The challenges I didn't do so hot on were the ones where it was just the crazy movement challenges. I finished a couple of those and then I was like, okay, I don't really want to do this
1: anymore. Oh yeah, the like the weird couple force. Of the A couple yeah. of the fractured challenges are really um all about using this aerial boost. I just got and it. I was pretty done with it. You, <laughs> if you don't time everything perfectly on your way through it, you could spend hours trying to get it. I did one challenge like 30
0: times and I was like, okay, I'm done with these for a while. And then I was getting close to the end of the game. I was like, do I want to go back and beat my head against walls? Like, no, I've got two other games I need to be. So I beat it. Um, in the end though, solid four five game. I liked it better than the first one. um, I like that it's pretty – you're going to – you can probably correct me, but it feels a little bit more canonical than the one that was on 360. What was that one called? Oh, uh, Force Unleashed. Force Unleashed. Although Force Unleashed gives you, like, god-tier force powers, which is pretty awesome, where you're, like, pulling Star Destroyers into each other. Um, (laughs) Which is ridiculous and awesome at the same time. Um, Cal's still kind of a weird butterface Jedi that – he's got, like, a little potato head. Um, looks best for the, for me, best with a beard and bald. Um, otherwise he looks like, I don't know, he's just like the most normal looking dude ever. Um, I mean, I'm glad he's not like a pretty boy or anything, but he's just
1: so aggressively plain looking. Um, but anyways. Well, it's like they tried to go the exact opposite direction from Sam Witwer and Forced Unleashed. And and they tried to have like a softer, a much softer face versus like this hard and grizzled one.
0: But yeah, there's nothing hard and grizzled. He's almost boyish looking. Like he's very, I don't know. He's almost like a, a caricature of normalcy, I guess. Um, <laughs> but aside from that, like Cal's a pretty likable character. Um, you know, forced potato head. Um, but anywho, forced potato head. Jesus, the uh, that game's solid. Um, if you've got it in a place where you can play it, play it. PlayStation Five is probably your best bet. Um, to play it without hinkiness, like me and Jason have experienced. But after I finished it, like I saw what, what Trent was talking about. He's like, you really gotta finish that game. I was like, oh, I know. (laughs) <laughs> it is, know.
1: they definitely took everything they did with, um,
2: with the first game with Fallen Order, and they definitely dialed it up, and I feel like the story that you played through this time is a lot more compelling compelling than than the first
1: game the first game just felt like this this MacGuffin that you knew there was no way they were going to use because the second they told you what it was you knew they couldn't let it fall into the hands of the Empire right, right. So so you knew what was you kind of already knew how that game was going to end um, and that was with Cal choosing to destroy
2: the destroy the holocron, but um this one felt a lot more
1: compelling, and they had a lot of good twists in it too. There are several really good twists in this in this story this time around
0: yeah i I ended up
1: enjoying it a lot, and I'm like, glad that I was able to finish it. Like, I didn't expect one of your partners to end up being basically the
2: Imperial Secret Service. Yeah, let's uh, keep spoilers aside. The game's been out for
1: nearly a year now, dude. Not going to say who it is, but there is
2: definitely one of your party that you find out. Been playing both sides of the whole thing. Um, yeah, I was pretty bummed
1: about that, and that was definitely a twist that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I wasn't either. It kind of caught me by surprise.
2: But um, that aside, um, I made some
0: more progress in Alan Wake. I'm it is the game I'm least progressed in, but I'm making it. Getting it, getting there. It's taking a little while, but eventually I'll get through it. I ended up um picking up Rogue Trader as well right before we recorded our last episode and i am 40 hours into that now just crazy to think that i've gotten that far um that game's really good um rogue trader is a crpg so i can just if you don't know what that is Baldur's gate 3 is a crpg it does not have the same style cinematics though um the graphics themselves are pretty clean Um, The effects, the, well, there is spells in this game. The spell effects are really cool. Um, It does, it's more combat heavy than Baldur's Gate, um, and in some ways more tactical. Um, The story's a little bit obtuse. Um, They do a pretty good job of explaining the story to people who aren't hugely familiar with all the lore. Um I give you a lot of like tool tips that never disappear on different things that are just only make sense in the world of War- of warhammer forty k um but you're essentially uh the premise is is you're a guy that's like set up to be an emissary for a rogue trader a rogue trader is um like a guy that let's see this is my knowledge of forty k it's a guy that has a big void ship that um like sustains trade between nation states and families and huge ruling parties in the empire and kind of has like full authority. Like they're basically like a traveling empire, so to speak. So they're almost like a flying nation state. Um. So anyways, um, very early in the game, things happen and you become the road trager- trader instead of the emissary. And then you play your character, one of several different ways. You can be a heretic, you can be dogmatic, which means you follow, you know, all the teachings of the weird 40K Bible. Um, you can be for the people, which is not very 40K-like. Um, or you can be a chaotic. And you can follow the ways of chaos, which is totally an option, which is weird. Um, Kind of be playing a good guy that's not necessarily very 40K. I'm not very, uh, I'm very much an iconoclast. Like, I'm very much for the people as much as I possibly can, while still being logical about my decisions about billions of people. Um, There's ship to ship combat. There is a lot of ground combat. Um, There's a lot of different classes and subclasses that you can create out of your characters. There's a lot of cool cycle powers. Um, There's a lot of like focus on area of attack and area of denial in this game, which is really cool. Um, there's a lot of cannon fodder enemies mixed in with, like, really chunky enemies. Um, there is the boss fights, because there's a lot of boss fights, are pretty interesting in the way they handle some of their mechanics. Um, for example, um, I had landed on a planet, and I was, like, going through this area that had succumbed to chaos, and, like, everybody had turned into pox or walkers, which are, like, um, infected, plague-ridden... Zombie people, basically. And there was this brain that was just pumping out waves of them and waves of them. Uh, I probably killed like 80 enemies inside of like 15 turns, which is fairly long. It was about an hour-long
1: battle. Oh, wow.
0: Um And I had set up characters. So I have a tech priest who can buff my party but is also like Basically, like a dodge tank, and he can carry two two-handed weapons without switching stances, which is a big deal. so he can wield a two-handed sword in one and both hands, and with his tech arms can harness uh, a two-handed like heavy weapon at the same time the way that I've got to expect and so this tech priest has a melta weapon which is like shoots a rolling plasma wave out in front of me. Um, so he is like a frontline tanker slash, he's basically like a fire, like a melee firebat from StarCraft. And, uh, he debuffs the enemy, um, and he has like these huge area of effect attacks. Even his melee attacks damage huge swaths of enemies. And he's also an assassin class or a bounty hunter class. So he gets a lot of extra points for killing lots and lots of things. It just makes him more – he gets stronger every time he kills somebody. So I put him on one side and plugged a hole that had tons of enemies going through. And then I have my warrior that wields a two-handed hammer and a uh, plasma gun and a sword in the other arm. And he can dual-wield, meaning if – so normally, you, without any buffs or any kind of attributes, you can fire or swing a hammer or whatever once a turn. Um, he gets two. Um, he gets an area of effect attack with his hammer, which does crazy armor penetration. And he can use his gun to shoot as well, which also does a big area of effect because it's a plasma gun. So I overcharge the plasma gun and it shoots a big area of effect attack for things that are coming at me. And then he gets all these like parry moves. So if he parries, which he's at a 97% parry rate, so he's very untouchable. Um he can attack back if I engage him in a certain stance. So I can plug a hole and everything that attacks him gets a hit back from him. So like he's constantly killing stuff. And then on the, on the eaves outside of all this area denial, I have my commander, which is my character. I did a custom character. He can give people additional attributes. So like additional damage, additional dodge, he can give people an extra attack and he is bolter and chainsword. specialized. So he does extra armor penetration with his chainsword and he does um, extra damage with bolters. He's got a bolter pistol because he can dual wield as well. And he's got a uh, two-handed bolter. The two-handed bolter is just a mean machine. So like when you engage automatic fire it shoots a cone in front of you and shows kind of like the percentages of hit that you're going to get. And in that cone like it says the Bolter shoots like eight shots or whatever, right? So it shoots eight chunky-ass shots and they can crit. And so when you're shooting into a crowd, like you'll just watch it like split stuff in two, like it crits for like way more damage than it should sometimes. Um, and then sometimes it does like very small incidental damage, but like with a big crowd in front of me, like every single turn, I was wiping out like 10 enemies at a time because I had him with that choke point just right behind my my tech priest like chewing three enemies and give my tech priest extra turns so he could continue to mow stuff down. And then I have another character that has similar abilities that can strengthen certain sections of the map, but also she can set up an area so I can call down, and one of her abilities is, um I can't remember what it's called, but I can call down, uh, set an area and say, everybody who has a shot can basically shoot. So everything with a line of sight will shoot in that spot, as long as they have ammo. So, like, if I've got a priority target, she can highlight a target and laser point it right, and then everybody shoots at that spot, (laughs) which is awesome. Um, You've got grenades. You've got heal kits. um, Everything sounds and feels really chunky. Um, There hasn't been this much chunky gore in a CRPG since Wasteland 2 and Wasteland 1 and the early Fallout games. Like, it's very much... The gore and the chunk and the carnage is very much inspired by those games, which I love those games a lot, right? Like early Fallout is basically a lot, basically a CRPG and the wasteland games are CRPGs, right? And so it has that chunky feel when you just like bl- obliterate enemies, which is just awesome. Um But the Bolter is one of my favorite guns. And then I have a sniper who's a Templar. And she can get extra turns to snipe, but she also has a flamethrower and can parry with her ranged weapons. So if an enemy's right up on you, you can't use your ranged weapons, you have to use a a melee weapon. Well, she doesn't have that ability because I want her to have two ranged weapons, one for engaging multiple targets and one for like pinpoint fire. And I'll line her up with like five targets in a row, and then she can use her flamethrower twice and just obliterate those. And then she's got a free dash that shoots her back so that she can get back out of the way like literally pop her out around a corner and get perfect line of sight on a bunch of stuff and then use my dash to get back in cover. Um, like there's, and there's, you know, the psychers have these crazy abilities like chain lightning and you can blind people and you can like do this crazy scream that like just deafens and paralyzes and does a whole area of denial thing with, while also doing damage. um, Everything's chunky and gross and gritty and amazing and I haven't liked a CRPG like this since uh, Baldur's Gate again it doesn't have the crazy cut scenes that Baldur's Gate does it doesn't have that level of polish it's about as polished as Wasteland 3 was though and if you liked Wasteland 3 and you wanted a Wasteland 3 game set in a grimdark universe like Rogue Trader definitely is it um and it quite possibly has more content like I feel like I'm just starting
2: to really I barely upgraded my ship and I'm 40 hours in. Um, nice. So it's awesome. I'm having a lot of fun of it. I mean,
1: and it makes sense because Rope Trader comes from like the grim dark darkness of the late 80s, early 90s, like Warhammer
2: tabletop. So that makes sense. Yeah, it does a really good job of making you feel like
0: chunky and powerful. Like, there's plenty of times like I get super overwhelmed with enemies. Um, and like I've had times where I get into a combat encounter and like within three turns, like three of my guys are wiped out. Um, I don't know if there's a permadeath mode. I haven't really explored that. That would be like unnecessarily cruel. <laughs> um, You get injuries though, so like You can't get rid of, I'll explain injuries. So, like, let's say I get roasted alive, right, in a fight, and, like, it takes off a huge chunk of my damage, or a huge chunk of damage off my character. It might leave him with um, burns or something like that, which will cause, you know, some kind of status effect, right? And if I don't treat them in the fight or immediately after the fight, they become permanent. Well, it's not really permanent. It's permanent while you're on that world until you get back on your ship. Um, but they stack and you could have like five injuries on a character that you don't get healed until you get off the planet. So you could have a character that's pretty gummed up before they get back to the ship to get healed and it can really, really wreck your run. Um, I say run wreck your your game play through that or make you really have to alter your gameplay to get through it. It can be pretty, pretty tough sometimes. Um, but it does give you a lot at your disposal to just really tear through big chunks of enemies. And I like the big grand fights. Like I've had a lot of fun with the combat in this. Still have a hundred percent figured out the ship combat. Like there's a couple, there's an encounter that I'm stuck on right now that I was playing right before we did the podcast where I just don't have the amount of ship upgrades or points in my ship. You know, like uh, it, it levels up just like your characters do. Um, to really survive this encounter, so I think I need to put off the encounter and come back to it. But yeah, Rogue Trader is like massively fun if you're into that kind of game. Um, I put a little bit more time into Fallout Four. Um, I'm putting that down until I finish the current couple of games. Tried to pick up No Man's Sky, wasn't that into it. I really want to see what the new content is, but. Getting through that first part as a slog. Um, picked up Cyberpunk, but I'd beaten that within the last like six months, so I was kind of like, again, putting it off till later.
2: And uh, yeah, that's where I'm at within the in the realm of gaming at the moment. Nice. Well, I mean, I feel like uh, I feel like
1: I've basically almost finished three massive games. Um, and as soon as I finish off Jedi survivor today, I'm gonna, um, go back and actually play through and maybe, um, maybe actually
2: finish tactics. Ogre reborn, uh, this time around. Um, cause it's, it's, been a long time since I picked that up. Um and then here in the next week or two we're
1: gonna start talking our game of the year podcast. So Yeah, we're planning on doing that very soon. I feel like I finished what I needed to to you know, for that discussion. I really needed to actually go back and try Jedi Survivor and hopefully finish it. Um glad I
2: was able to do so. Yeah, I mean, that's a big one. We've got... I would say within two weeks we'll have our game of the year discussion out of the way. Yeah. Which is... uh, It's fun and it's not fun.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's fun... In the sense that we finally get to talk about all these things um, in like a roundup way and, you know, and actually debate each other a little bit on the finer points of some of these things. Um, But then also it's kind of like it's a slog because those are normally like three hour episodes.
2: Yeah, it'll definitely be a longer one. This one I don't see being three hours. Anywho, do you think we ought to take a break? That said, I think, yeah, I think we're good to take
1: a break. All right, guys, we'll be back.
0: We're back. Woo-hoo. We had to scour the interwebs for news stories. Being the beginning of the year, there's not a lot out right now. Um but there is a few things that um are coming out to Game Pass. Um why don't you lead with that, Jason?
2: Yeah,
1: so um uh out a couple days ago as uh close to the sun um uh which i think is a it's a game around some tesla technology it's kind of a steampunk game um don't really know too much about it um and then also uh hell let loose there's um, a lot of people on- a lot of people shooter and a lot of people are playing that
0: well, I know my buddy TJ has been playing that. He's got thousands of hours logged into it over the last two years. It's a yeah. massive World
1: War II battle game. Yeah, similar to World of Tanks or or Battle Bits, bigger. No, no, it's more like it's more like a realistic Call of Duty, but in World War II.
0: So there are vehicles, but you're literally just—if you get shot once, you're dead. And you're not using machine guns. It's like these huge battles where you're just like inching your way forward uh, with a huge team. Uh, like it's it's a combat simulator.
2: Yeah, I just I'm not, not into okay. that stuff. Cool.
1: Um, and then also we've got uh,
2: um. Assassin's Creed Valhalla coming on the ninth, along with uh, Figment,
1: and then uh, on the eleventh, Super Mega Baseball Four. We happy Fe- and we happy few. Uh, on the sixteenth, we get the Resident Evil Two remake. We happy few is shit. Yeah, we happy few is crap. Um, and those who remain also coming on the sixteenth. Um, and then, uh, leaving in the next couple weeks are Grand Theft Auto 5, which is gone as, as we record this, um, Garden Story is Moto GP 22, Persona 4 Golden, and Persona 3 Portable, um, all four are leaving on the 15th.
0: Yeah, and I was going to play the Persona games if I got around to it, but I didn't realize it would only be on Game Pass for just, like,
1: I don't know, it feels like three weeks. It was probably more like three months. It, it was about three months. It was three or four months, yeah.
0: Yeah, I almost bought Re- Resident Evil 2, again, because it always goes on sale for 10 bucks. And then I was like, I'm just going to wait. I need to get through what I got going here instead of spending crazy amounts of money on the Steam sale and then never get, only getting through half of it. which I, I actually didn't buy a damn thing during Steam sale, which is crazy.
2: That is crazy. Um, something that is way crazier, well, I, though. you bought vinyl instead. I did.
0: <laughs> um, Star Citizen, the game we've been talking about off and on for a while. In fact, we were talking about it in the middle of our Starfield talks. We're talking about space games that are out, right? You have Star Citizen, Starfield. Um, you
2: have what's the what's the other? I keep wanting to say the Last of Us is not the Last of Us. Um, damn it! What the
0: name? What's the hell's that name of that game that I can't? E- no Man's Sky, right?
1: No Man's Sky, yeah.
0: And uh, Elite Dangerous, and. Uh... You know, it was like, well, when Star Citizen actually launches, and, yeah, I'll play it, but I'm not going to spend a crazy amount of money. Well, you can get the Legatus ship pack right now. Um, you have to have spent $10,000 already, but it gives
2: you all the ships for a measly $48,000. Which is crazy. Really? Yes. That's... 40
1: grand for virtual ships. I think I spent 40 grand on
0: video games throughout my entire life. (laughs) Like, come on now. There's not enough in the game to do for. It would be gross if it was $1,000, but $48,000
1: for a game that isn't released? That game is definitely for the whales. It's It's insane. insane.
0: Uh, And there has got to be people paying it, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't have it released. But, like, how many people buy that kind of stuff, right? Are these, like, Saudi
2: princes or oil barons or, like, who spends that much on virtual bullshit? It's just i a, mean, Saudi princes sounds about right. Right. Like, it's got to be some kind of weird
0: edge case. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, I mean, you know, we're plebs. I make decent money. You make decent money, but nowhere near spending even $100 for anything kind of virtual item in a game. I have a hard time spending $60 on a full price game a lot of times. Like, just wanting to, right? It's very, it's like five times a year I spend like $70, and most of the rest of it's on sale or PC gaming, which is typically cheaper. Um, I just. I'm not going to get forty-eight thousand dollars worth of entertainment. Like, I need a new car before I spend forty-eight thousand dollars. I need an investment property before I spend forty-eight thousand dollars, or a down payment on a house before I spend forty-eight thousand dollars on virtual bullshit in a game. Like, that's so stupid.
1: Um, I just—I I mean, don't. I don't even. As long as it's been in development, I don't even want to pay sixty dollars just
2: for the quote i was gonna spend should we say the quote reward for playing
1: star citizen like there's a space marines chaos
0: gate right which i played earlier this year and didn't quite click with me and i was thinking about going back to it after playing more warhammer stuff because i apparently like warhammer stuff and uh They had DLC that was like 35% off. So it was a $14 pack that was now $10. And I was going to buy that in Resident Evil 2. It sat in my cart till the last day. And then I was like, you know what? If I remember it, I'll spend the 20 bucks. If not, then no harm, no foul. And then I forgot about it. That was my digital content was $10 what I was deliberating on spending $10 on DLC for a game I might get back into. And then I didn't spend it because I didn't think – I'm trying to be better about my – you know, purchasing ADD and just spend money when I think I'm going to actually use it for something versus just getting it because it's cheap and then forgetting about it later, which I do a lot with steam or did then that's been one of my resolutions for last year. And, uh, so yeah, I deliberated over $10. That's a fraction of $48,000, right? Um, yeah, it's, uh, that's it's insane. I don't know what they're doing with that game. I'm really sad that they're charging those kinds of prices. I'm really sad that people are paying those kinds of prices for things. I don't. Apparently somebody has to have done it right. Um It would be really discouraging if we found out that there were thousands of people that I mean, had spent $48,000, you
1: know, they wouldn't still be doing it. If there wasn't somebody out there buying the crap, right? Like mm-hmm. it, And here's my thing. I don't care how, quote, massive your in game universe is. You cannot tell me that, um, what you that after all the money that's been invested in your game. That you shouldn't be on final release at this point. I know it's They been, have. We've been talking. Have ab- literally been crooks.
0: We've been talking about it for ten seasons of the Tiltcast.
1: I mean, at this point, it's it's freaking larceny, dude.
2: <laughs> like they're just stealing people's money at this point. So yeah. I will never play it because I'm not going to support it. Yeah. Well, speaking of MMOs, um, there's a Horizon memorphger It is confirmed to be in
0: development per job listings. So if you're really into Horizon, I'm not as big into Horizon as some people are. Um, that's going to be a thing at some point. Other... Um, News. It's more fun for me. So, notic. Horizon's
1: uh, a good game, but I'm not gonna. I've not even gotten to play the second one yet. So, it's
0: it's just the wrapping for me. The gameplay's fun enough. Um, I don't like Alloy. I don't like the weird hippie characters in the game. I think the graphics are beautiful. Um, the combat is kind of tedious in too. Um but it's a pretty good game. Like it's a, it's a very solid four in my opinion, but there's a lot of things that hold it back for me. But, um, and none of those are, I can't remember. What's his name? Philip Broyles from French. What is his name?
2: Oh gosh. Um, um, that guy. Yeah. It, shit. He passed away this year. Yeah, I know. Um, or last year. God, I can't remember his name now, dude. And that's not normal for
1: me.
0: Yeah, because he's um, also
1: part of the Remedy games too, wouldn't he? Yeah. Um, I mean that he was Commander Zavala and Destiny.
2: Like, he's all over the place. Um. But, yeah, I, I definitely feel like, uh... oh, anyway, that was a shame. Yeah. yeah. um,
0: Symmonica 3 is going to be in early access this year, supposedly, which I'm excited for because I really like Symmonica. The second one was pretty good, but not as good as the other one because it was too short, in my opinion. Um, Right before the Fallout show releases, we'll have uh, Fallout London, which will come out for Fallout 4. And in related news to that, they're talking about a next-gen release that was supposed to have been released sometime at the end of last year that didn't happen. So that may happen, and it may happen right after I finish um, Fallout 4 with mods, which means I'm going to have to wait again before I go through it. It's like the updates came right as I was
1: about to start playing it again, and I'm just like, ah,
0: oh, uh, damn it.
1: I mean, when it, when London officially releases, I'm installing it and playing it. Um, well, it'll be a mod. Like, oh, I know. Um, But when they release the mod, I'm definitely installing it and playing it.
2: Um. Just for the simple fact that it's the, it's one of the most expensive Fallout mods
1: I think has been done to date. And I kind of want to see what, what kind of story crafting the modders did with it. I mean,
2: years is, years have gone into the development of this thing. Right. And it's, It, it's been a very small team of like three or four people
1: for the most part working on this thing the entire time. So um I'd be interested to see what they do. There's not a whole lot of fallout lore out there crafted for overseas after the great war. So it'll be interesting to see what they, you know, what they came up with.
0: I'm curious, right? Like Amazon, is sometimes good and sometimes not. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings nerd. And, uh, so without digging too deep into it, like rings of power, the whole reason that I have pretty much completely boycotted it is probably not for the reasons that people think. Um, it has a lot to do with the fact that they just rewrote whole huge chunks of the Silmarillion to make it work for whatever they wanted to work for their story. It's, it's almost like they're just like rewriting lore. And rewriting the hey. whole thing. And it doesn't – it's not Lord of the Rings. That's my problem. It's its just Lord of the Rings wrapped around a completely independent story that has fragments of the Silmarillion woven into a completely different thing. And because I'm a big fan of that stuff, I don't want to see all of that completely rewritten. Obviously, you're not going to tell it page for page what the Silmarillion is because it's essentially a historical index for the Lord of the Rings lore, Right but to just take it and completely shit all over it and just say, okay, it's like loosely inspired by that. And then let's just do whatever we want with it.
1: Yeah. They basically rewrote, um, Gladriel parts of Gladriel and parts of, uh, um, every space. I forget. more I goth. forget. Now Sa- I forget Sauron's uh, Morgoth. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, they like rewrote parts of that, and it's not that, um, uh, they necessarily completely had the wrong basis for Morgoth because Morgoth definitely did in the Cimmerillian take a, um, uh, elven facade to, to manipulate, um, one of the great, um, Smith to forge the rings of power but um there there are too many elements of that story that they ended up changing i only watched half of the season um and i got frustrated with it um but i mean you and i are like um peter jackson level nerds when it comes to lord of the rings and the lore there um, we've read, we've pretty much read everything Tolkien wrote. Um, and that is some put out, um, after he died. And they, they changed enough of it to kind of, to make me mad. Um, it wasn't the kind of, it wasn't the kind of, uh, narrative piece rewrites that, like, Peter Jackson and his team and his team did for, uh, for fellowship two towers and return of the king that just kind of made sense. Um, because of the way that Tolkien structured the books narratively, you kind of had to shift some things around and,
2: but and they're they minor definitely, shifts.
1: They definitely dropped stuff that just wouldn't have made sense in a movie narratively. And I got that and I enjoy the movies for what they are. Um, they they extended the Hobbit out way too much. Um That really should have only been one or two movies. But hey, that that was all that was all New Line Cinema, sem- the the New Line and Warner Brothers wanting the money grab, having three movies. Um. Um. But I mean, I like what Peter Jackson did for the most part, even with The Hobbit. I have parts of those three films that I like.
2: Rings of Power was just shit.
1: And that's where I felt like, um, uh, Shadow of Mordor and, um. I think uh, it's good because
0: it's inspired, but doesn't. Shadow
1: of War were great because they're inspired by, but they also take place in. Uh, in gaps in the timeline not covered by the Sil- Salmarilian, or um, they
0: take up they they take place in the world, the but books. they're completely different than the books, so they can write whatever story they want, and so yeah, they don't they don't shit over it because it's in a timeline that that isn't isn't accounted for in the Tolkien lore, so they can literally say, this is what we want to do. These are what orcs look like. This is the orcs' motiv- uh, motivations. This is, you know, what our dudes' motivations are. Here's what we want to do with our fantasy magic for this section. Here's all the like tropes that we have that are lore friendly. Now let's build a game out of it, and it's completely separate from the books in that way. And so they can do whatever they want with it, and Tolkien fans won't be pissed about it. But then you create a you create a whole series that's based off the Silmarillion and completely changed the way that the whole one ring works right and it's not one ring anymore and you screw up the whole like villain system galadriel does not have nearly as much influence in that as she seems to in the in the show for whatever reason they just wanted to have her all over the place she plays a very minor role um, in the silver ring. And, and long story short like it's just they took they like I don't know any other way to describe it. It was like took like a birthday cake and tried to make tacos out of it. Like I don't, it's, it's so it's bits and pieces pulled from the silver and then completely rewrote and reshaped, um, to be whatever the writers wanted for the story. And it just, it's an annoying as fuck to me. Um, <laughs> as somebody who has the, uh, one ring inscribed on their leg, cause I'm a big dork for Lord of the Rings. I, I don't support it, but, what I was going for when I was saying that is I I know the timeline they're going for with Fallout, <clears throat> I think, is before four and in the middle of a lot of things. And as long as they have vaults, as long as the Brotherhood of Seal aren't the good guys, um, and as long as they change the makeup on the ghouls a little bit, like they can kind of get away with whatever they want. Like The lore for Fallout is pretty loose. So I think as long as there's a lot of like high action combat and craziness and a lot of suspense, like it will be good. But if they try too hard to do the one thing I resent about the last of us TV show is that game is very tense. And it's not as it's, it's, they focus so much on the character interactions between the different characters. Like there's not enough tense moments in the show. Um, it's one yeah. of the best adaptations I've ever seen of a video game. Don't get me wrong. Like, the show is pretty good. But I am really annoyed oh, okay. that it wasn't as near. Like, most of that game is just like, you're. It's. Especially when you're playing on harder difficulties, it is like almost survival yeah. horror. I, and it just I, doesn't feel like that and for most of it, except for a couple of sections of episodes.
1: I agree. They got. <clears throat> they got the feel of the games set designs um, awesome enough um for the most part and they explored additional characters that i wanted to see them explore in a tv series right but in doing so you're right you lost a lot of that um sus- suspense thriller tension that you had playing the game. Um, you know, it didn't quite reach the kind of, uh, suspense levels like we had with like watching the first two seasons of the walking dead. Right. For example. Um, but I mean, that's okay. I still really, really, really enjoy, um, that series and what they did with the first season, and I'm looking forward to season two. Um, I hope they can deviate a little bit and hold off Joel's death for a little bit longer. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, because I mean, everybody, helping. just about everybody likes Pedro Pascal. Like We don't want to see him die. Yeah. And that's the whole reason I um, hate Last of Us 2. I like the first part of the game and then kill off Joel and get a character that nobody can really identify with properly because Abby is part of the resistance group that kills Joel. I like Joel. I like Ellie. Um, I still see Abby as the, as the villain. And I don't want to play the villain. Um, Abby's annoying as fuck. I just, she can fuck right off. Um, Just why I've, I've gotten like, I don't know. <laughs> nine tenths through Last of Us two, and then just quit. And said fuck it.
1: But um, one little last bit of news. Um, so I, I'll go so the Fallout timeline, though, just so you know, it's nine years after four. Oh, I thought it was before. And, it, okay. and it's happening in L.A.
0: Yeah, it just has to have vaults, and then they can do whatever they so, want with the story.
1: Um, I you forget. Know, I forget, was uh,
2: was the first Fallout before or after Fallout 4? Technically in the timeline. No, yeah. there's a timeline out there somewhere.
0: The original Fallouts, I think, were in California. Because I know that you go to Vegas at some point in two. It's been a really long
1: time since I've played those, Let's though. Chronicological order. So, it's 76... Them fallouts in twenty one sixty one. Okay, so this is going back to LA like nearly a hundred years after um, after the first game, basically. Oh, yeah, so I'm that'd curious. be interesting to see that area, you know, like a hundred and thirty years later.
0: Yeah. So. Original Fallout Southern California, Fallout 2's Northern California, 3 is Washington D.C. And then New Vegas. Right? New Vegas is is obvious, right? And then 4 is in Boston. So this is going to be after 4. You said 202361? No, 2296. Okay, so yeah, just nine years after Fallout 4, back to California, which is where it started.
1: Yep. And 130 years removed from the first two games, basic, or from the first game, and about 100 years removed from the second game. So, you know, you'd be... They they do have the opportunity to work in maybe some of, some of the ghouls you met in the first game. Something like that, but... Uh, for the most part, you really won't be in any, in any danger of like, uh, running into the original vault dweller or anything like that. So they could write a lot of what, whatever they wanted, which means they have room to make a really great series. As long as they don't try to backtrack on something that happened in the first two games with. Like Caesar or any of that. They don't have, they don't really have a reason to. I don't,
0: like I said, it can be a completely separate story. Um, But
1: that, that would open for, that does leave, that does answer my question of why in the heck would it have the Brotherhood of Steel out in California? Well, that's why I could imagine like 90 years later the Brotherhood going that far west. Uh, they're in the game in one, I'm
0: pretty sure. but And that's in California. And I know they're in the game for sure in two. But that being said, um, we won't get a Fallout game for a very long time, I think. They're going to use 76 as the stopgap for a while because you still got whatever else they do with Starfield, then Elder Scrolls 6, and then Fallout. So unless their team gets massive... Um, like we're not going to see another fallout till like I'm 50, which is sad. But, um, while I'm waiting for that, um, star Wars outlaws is a game I've been looking forward to for a while. I know it's an Ubi game. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of like a star Wars bounty hunter type game, right? Where you're, I say bounty hunter, like you're, you're an outlaw. So a smuggler, I guess. And I want to say that it happens in a an old-school timeline. I was trying to think of what it was, but I want to say it was like it happens between Empire and Return of the Jedi. But there was a post Something that like said that. that it was supposed to come out late 2024. Now it just says 2024. So we'll see um, what that is once it comes out. But it's supposed to be some t- out sometime this year, probably about this time. Close to this, you know, probably October or something is what I'm thinking. So we got quite a ways um, before that comes out. Um, there's not a lot in the way of game releases um, for this month, though. So I assume that we're going to be playing a lot of uh, old games. I know we got, like, Prince of Persia coming out. Um, what else is coming out? Let's see. I'm going to only pick on the stuff that's big. Prince Persia is going to be a side-scroller. It's out on everything. Graven's coming out. I think I have that on my Epic list. Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth comes out on the 24th, which will probably be on Game Pass. Tekken 8 will be out on the 26th. Um, next month, we got Helldivers 2 coming out to PC on February 8th, which I am going to play.
1: Um, 2 many. If- Team if Raider. Like a Dragon does show up on Game Pass on release, you can expect I'll play that. I, I enjoyed Like a Dragon. Yeah, I liked it too. Um, it, it, was, it was fun in stupid, silly ways. Slave Zero X? I didn't even know that was a thing again.
0: That's
2: an old Sega game, isn't it? I think so. It'll be a 2.5 hack and slash,
0: 2.5D. Um, Last Epoch, which is the Diablo-like, will be a final release next month on the 21st. And then by March, Dragman's Dogma 2 will probably be the big release. There's a South Park game coming to everything called Snow Day on the 26th. And then anything beyond that is just myth, aside from Space Marine 2. <laughs> like, really, anything after February is up in the air. So I imagine you'll be seeing a lot of us doing just whatever we want to play.
1: Oh, and, of course, Space Marine 2 is so a... Yeah, September, though. ...must
2: play. But that's September, that's a lot of ways away. Yeah. But I don't know that we have much
0: else. Do you have anything else?
2: Nope.
1: Well, where can you find us? Find us at TiltCast.com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.com slash TiltCast. Our YouTube channels, YouTube.com slash Cheryl TiltCast, and search for us on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe.
0: Find friends of the show. You've got For the Love of Gaming, you've got BMFCast.com, and you've got TVGP.TV. They like Destiny, and with that, it's the end of the show.
1: All right, Peace.